Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Res Life. If you're glad you can be in God's house, say yes. Hey, come on. I just want you to know that I just feel faith in the room, and I'm just excited that God's got a word for you. Come on, look at the person sitting next to you and just tell them. Look them straight in the face. They tell them, God's got a word for you. God's got a word for you. God's got a word for you. Come on, tell them, God's got a word for you. Amen. Well, you guys, it is an honor to be here. Uh, as Pastor Ken mentioned, my name is Matt Keller, and I am the founding and lead pastor of Next Level Church in Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, my wife and I moved from the only home we had ever known in Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, 17 and a half years ago to start Next Level Church. And what God has done in Southwest Florida over the last uh, 17 and a half years has been incredible. I am the, the dad of two boys. I think we might have a picture of my family. If you have, yeah, there we are. Look at us, the happy family. It's amazing. There we are. That's my wife, Sarah. She is preaching at home at Next Level this weekend. And then my, my oldest son, Will, is off to uh, college. He's a freshman at Southeastern University. And my youngest son, Drew, is taller than me. But don't tell him that I actually confess that. Uh, he's about 6'3", and is just an incredible young man, 16 years old. And both of my boys are on fire for Jesus. And I'm just so thankful for that. Come on. God's raising up a new generation. Amen. What a joy and privilege it is to be in this house, and I want to honor uh, Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie uh, Vanderklok, who are the pastors here, and uh, man, what an incredible thing it is to, to stand in a church like this uh, with people like you on a weekend like this with such expectancy of faith in the room, and I just know that that is, uh, that, is that, that there are decades, literally decades, of faithful seed sowing. Uh, that your pastors have sowed into all of you uh, that make moments like this possible for us to experience God. So if you appreciate your pastors, would you honor them? Come on, let's honor Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for an apostle. Thank you, Jesus, for a, a teacher, a man of God that can teach your word. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, let me ask you a question uh, this morning. How do you uh, hope people describe you? Like when you think of like, like if you have a friend or a coworker that is telling somebody else about you, like, like how do you hope that they describe you? Have you ever thought about that? Like, have you ever like, I, I, you know, oh, oh, Matt, oh, you mean the tall guy? Oh, the good looking one? Come on, somebody. Right? Like, right? Like, don't we? Like, wait, are you? Oh, so-and-so? Oh, is he the portly one? The, the, he's the kind of the heavy set. Okay, we don't want that. Like, right? We don't want to, we don't want to be described that way. Like, right? Like, oh, wait, so-and-so? Oh, wait, it, she's the smart one, right? Oh, she's the, she's the administrative one, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so, oh, he's the goofy one, right? How do people describe you? Now, let me ask you this question. How do you hope people describe you? Different question, isn't it? Well, this morning, the word that I feel the Lord has put in, in my spirit for us as a church this morning is from 1 Samuel chapter 1, where we are introduced to a woman who had a desire in her heart for people to describe her, to see her some way. She had a desire in her heart that if, if God would do something for me, then I would be known for that, and that would fill something, a void in my heart. And so the message I want to talk about today is centered around the question, don't I mean more? Let's open our hearts. Father, our hearts are open to you, and Lord, we just pause now, and God, I just pause, and I get out of the way so that you could get in the way. Lord, I pray that I would become invisible for the next few minutes so that, Spirit of God, you could become visible in our lives. Lord, we give you permission. Do what you want to do. Speak to us loudly, we ask. We promise we'll respond in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. First Samuel chapter one, the verses are going to be on the screen. Let's, let's gather, let's, let's look there. It says this, there was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah. Everybody say Elkanah. He's going to be important to the story here. Son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. I think we probably could have just started right there. Guy named Elkanah, he was an Ephraimite. Got it. I don't know why we had to go through all of that. Anyway, verse two, he had two wives. What's that? Hold on. Okay. Pastor Dwayne can clear that up later. It's an Old Testament thing. I ain't going there. Just, we're just going to just go right. That's a different sermon for a different day. Keep reading. He had two wives. One was called Hannah. Everyone say Hannah. And the other, Peninnah. Say Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. So basically, here's this guy named Elkanah, and he had two wives, different message, different day. One was named Peninnah, and she had a bunch of kids. And the other was named Hannah, and she had no children. Verse 3, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty. It's Shiloh, where Hophnius and Phinehas, which is completely different than Phinehas and Ferb, by the way. The two sons of Eli were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, look at this, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave, here's the verse, look at this. But to Hannah... He gave a double portion. Everyone say double portion. Because he loved her. So what's happening? Here's what's happening. This guy, Elkanah, every single year would go up to Shiloh to the, to the tabernacle of the Lord. And there they would sacrifice and worship God annually, every single year. And so when they get there, it says that he would give a portion of his meat, kind of give an offering to Peninnah and all of her kids. But then he would turn to Hannah and he would give her a double portion, twice as much, because he loved her way more than he loved Peninnah. But throw that verse back up there again, if, if we can, because look what it says. It says this, it says that to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, but oh yeah, look at this little footnote. She had no kids. The Lord had closed her womb. Now, church, let me ask you a question. Here is this woman named Hannah, the person we're going to study and examine for a few minutes today. And the Bible says that Hannah was so loved by Elkanah, her husband. She was so, she was highly loved and she was highly favored. There was a double portion anointing and blessing on her life. She was loved and she was blessed, but she didn't have any kids. And therein lied the problem. Because Hannah, this highly favored, this highly loved woman, couldn't see any of that because all she was focused on was what she didn't have. In Res Life, I believe it's possible that some of us have come into this great church this weekend and you feel like Hannah. You, you know you're loved, right? Like by your father? Like your heavenly, like you, like you know, like you're like really loved, like died on the cross for you loved. And you know you're highly favored, right? And yet, here's what I believe. I believe it's possible that there are some of us, many of us who've come into this place today and we are highly loved and we are highly favored, but we can't see it 
Because all we can see, the only thing that's right in our windshield day after day is what we're not. Well, I don't have kids. Well, I'm not married. Well, if, I, if God would just give me that promotion, well, if, if God would come through over there, well, if God would just answer my prayer for this. And there, I just believe there are some of us who are here today. And what you're not, is you're letting what you're not define your life way more than who God says you are. And I believe God brought me all the way to Florida from Florida from, for this weekend to speak this word to you because the Holy Spirit wants to get real loud in your heart. What are we focused on? Are we focused on what we're not or on who God says we are? She was loved and highly favored, but she couldn't see it. Verse six, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Verse seven, this went on year after year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival Peninnah would make fun of her and she would provoke her until Hannah wept and wouldn't eat. I want to give you a few thoughts from this story that I think matter to us and, and the condition of our heart today. Here's the first one. It's this. Maybe you want to take some notes. What we're not will beat us up if we let it. What we're not, what we don't have will absolutely beat us up. If we, if we let it, it says that, that, that Peninnah would make fun of Hannah. She would, she would pester her. She would poke her. She would provoke her. She would prod her. You don't have any kids. You don't have any kids. And in their culture, being known as a mom was like paramount. And so year after year, day after day, Hannah was just so overcome. She wept. She was beat up because Peninnah got inside of her head. The devil was using this woman to convince Hannah that she was less than because of what she didn't have or what she wasn't. And see, church, it's so easy for us to get our eyes on what we're not, that it actually interferes with who we are and what we're called to do and what we're called to be. And some of us, this is where you're living. The thoughts are, are, are constant. You are just, you're so fixated in your mind. The, 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 the devil is just pouring in lies and, and half-truths and just saying, well, if you were this, well, well, if God would do this for you, well, if God would, well, if God had come through for you, and the, well, if you hadn't made those mistakes, and the devil's just bombarding us with these thoughts. It's interesting to me that when you study the Gospels, the life and ministry of Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus actually refers to the devil, who's the enemy of our souls, as the father of lies. Interesting. Think about it. Jesus actually names the devil the father of lies. Now, I don't know about, of lies. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were naming the devil something... If I were giving the devil a title, father of lies is not what I'd call him. When I look at our world today, when I look at the outward world today, I would say, man, the, the, the devil's the father of evil. The devil is, is the father of violence. The devil is the father of hatred. He's the father of sin. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. And here's why. Because Jesus was giving us a hint as to the devil's strategy in our lives. Because watch this, church. Beliefs determine actions, and actions determine outcomes in our life. Let me say that again. Beliefs determine actions, 
Actions determine outcomes. So watch this. The devil doesn't have to attack you and I in our outcomes or even in our actions. All he's got to do is get to us in our beliefs. And so if the devil can start to lie to us in what we believe about ourselves, he's got us. And that's what I think. I think it's possible that there are some of us who, who are in this room right now, you're listening to me, and the devil is bombarding you with just wrong beliefs about who you are. You know the Bible says that you're highly favored. You know the Bible says you're highly loved. You know the Bible says that you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. That you are chosen of God. That you're called of God. That you're anointed of God. You know that the Bible says he's got a good plan for you. That you're an overcomer. You know that's what the Bible says about you, right? But that's not what the devil says. What does the devil do on Monday morning when you walk into your school and you're standing at your locker? The devil brings all these comparison thoughts. When you walk into your office and the sales guy's outperforming you this quarter, what does the devil do when, when you're in car line, moms? And you look at all the other perfect moms. See, the devil just bombards us with lies and says, you're not enough. You're not accepted. If you were better at this, if you were this, well, if you hadn't done that, if you, and guilt and condemnation, and it all starts right here. And that's where Hannah was. The devil was beating her up with lies, with half-truths, saying you're less than because you don't have. And so she starts to get angry at God. Look at verse eight. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, when she would weep and cry because she didn't have a kid because she wanted to be known as a mom. Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And then look at this question that Elkanah, her husband, asked her. Don't I mean more? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Elkanah looks at his wife and he says, babe, I love you. You're highly favored in my eyes. There's nothing I wouldn't do for you. Isn't my love for you enough? Here's the second thought about the condition of our heart that I think matters today, and it's this. The same is true with God. God wants to know that we love him more than his benefits. Church, God wants to know that we love him more than we love what he can do for us. See, the Bible says that God is a jealous God and that he will never take, sec take second place to anyone or anything, including the very thing he wants to give us. God wants to know that if we love him, he wants to know, do, do you love me more than the gifts or more than the blessings that, I, that you're asking me for? Even if we want those things for him. Hannah wanted to be known as a mom. She wanted a child so badly. Why? So that she could give glory to God. It was all for him. And this is where it gets tricky. Because so many of us are doing good things for him, right? Like, like we're leading a ministry. We're leading a small group. Or we're serving like crazy. We're, we're trying to raise and promote our perfect little family. We're working our way up the corporate ladder. We're, 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 we're going to all the schooling. And we're getting good grades. And we're trying really hard. And in our heart, we're going, God, it's all for you, right? I mean, God, if I make more money, if you'd give me a raise, then I could tithe more. God, if you'd allow me to climb higher in my career, then, then I could give you more glory. 
God, God, if, if, I, you, God, if you just let me get this another degree and get this education, then, then I'd be more capable for you. God, if you'd allow these kids to just behave better so that the pictures on Instagram and Facebook were more perfect than all of my other moms at school in the car line would, would say, wow, tell me about the glory of your God based on your perfect family. It's all for him, even in ministry. God, if you let their small group grow, God, if you let our ministry grow, God, if you let our church grow, God, if you, then you get more glory. It's all for God, right? That was Hannah. That was Hannah. Going, God, if you'd give me a son, then I'd give all the glory to you. But here's the thing I love about this story. The father can see right through our motives every single time, can he? I love Elkanah, her husband's question to him, to her. Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? Elkanah wanted his wife to just love him not just what he could do for her. And church, I believe the same is true for us. It was May 2017, a little over two years ago. And our church was about 15 years old. We had just celebrated our 15-year anniversary. And God had done some really incredible things. He had raised up our church in Southwest Florida. We moved there with no money and no clue what we were doing. And we had a church of about 3,000 people in three locations at the time. And just good things are happening, but my heart was not in a good place. And I was dry on the inside. Ever, anybody ever been dry on the inside? And so I had scheduled a silence and solitude retreat, like two and a half days away at Fort Myers Beach to just get alone, just me and Jesus, because I needed some, some Jesus time. And I just, I knew it. So we had my son's, actually his birthday that night, May 11th, 2017. And so after his party, I, I had my bags packed. And so my family prayed for me and I took off and about 9.30 and I got in the car to drive out of my neighborhood. And so I do what we're supposed to do, right? Even though my heart was like really messed up and mad at God and I was frustrated. And so I turned on worship music and like six seconds in I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart hey Matt turn it off and so I'm like just gonna worship you Lord like whatever so I flipped it off I mean I turned it off it matters that linguistically that matters right there I did not flip it off I turned off the music Man, some people. So it takes a few minutes to get out of my neighborhood. And I was, I, was, I was driving out of my neighborhood. I was just, my heart was just not in a good place. And I literally, I prayed a prayer that I don't recommend. But I just said, fine. Hey, God, over the next two and a half days, you have permission to rebuke me. Don't recommend that. Because he might answer the prayer. 
So I got up to the hotel and checked in, and it was late, and I had had a huge day and the birthday party and everything, and I got out there. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and, and so I felt the Lord say to me, go out on the balcony. So, so I went out on the balcony, and, and like for whatever reason, that time of year, there's sea turtles, and they migrate, and something happens if they see hotel lights, and so no hotel on the beach has an outdoor light. Like apparently that matters, and I don't understand why, and neither do you, but there's no light on the balcony. And so like the Lord told me, hey, Matt, go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. So I'm sitting there. Literally, I have my Bible open like with my phone light on, like I'm reading scripture and I'm, I'm just, my heart's in a desperate place and I'm reading this story. And I get to this verse where Elkanah looks at Hannah and he says, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And church in that moment, sitting on that lounge chair on that balcony on Fort Myers beach, I felt the Holy Spirit ask me the same question. Hey, Matt, do you love me 10 times more than you love this thing you're trying to build for me? And church, in that moment, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not condemnation, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on me. And my heart was just ripped open before God. And I had to be honest. And I looked toward heaven with tears in my eyes and I said, God, I do not. If I'm being honest, Lord, I love this thing, this ministry, this influence, this child of influence that I'm begging you for, God. If I'm being honest, I love it 10 times more right now than I love you. And on that moment, on that balcony on Fort Myers Beach, that, that night close to midnight, I had to confess, I had to repent, I had to say, God, forgive me for loving the thing I'm begging you for more than I love you. In church, is it possible that that's where some of us find ourselves today? That on the outside, we look good, we look successful, we're awesome. But on the inside, our heart is far from our Father because we're begging Him for something or someone. And is it possible that God's brought you to this room, to this place today to get your attention so that you would say to your heavenly father, God, I'm sorry. I have asked for that education or that family or that man or that wife or that promotion or that job or that increase or that influence or that whatever. And God, I'm more in love with that than I am with you. Do you know what the name Elkanah means? The name Elkanah means God creates. So think of this. His very name was shouting at Hannah. I can give you what you want if you'll yield control of it. But see, Hannah's defiant attitude was declaring, I don't want God to create it. I want to create it. I don't want God to have the glory. I want the glory. I want to be known as a mom. I want to be known as this. I want to experience. I want this. 
Verse 9, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, verse 10, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow. Look at her prayer. Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his on his head, here's the third thought for you. Desiring the child more than God is idolatry. Hey, church, we got to call this what it is. We got to call this what it is. Desiring that place in ministry, desiring that promotion, desiring that position, desiring whatever it is that is going on in our heart. If we desire that thing or that someone more than we desire God, by definition, the Bible would say that's an idol. And that's where Hannah was. She said, God, if you will only, then I. How many if-then prayers have we prayed? God, if you'll only let him ask me out, I'll serve you forever. Right? God, if you'll only give me that promotion, then I. God, if you'll only, then I. How many if-then prayers have we prayed? Man, I'm guilty of that so many times on that balcony that night two years ago. That's where I was. But see, God doesn't want to give us what we want. He wants us to want him. That's the moral of the story. That's the point of the message. That God doesn't want us to want it. He wants us to want him. Verse 12, as she kept on praying the Lord to the Lord Eli, who's the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not, was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. So the priest actually thought she had come to church drunk. Here's the fourth thought for you. At some point, we have to be honest about our true state. Because see, if we don't deal with this idolatry in our heart, then guess what? It will eventually start to resemble sin and everybody around us will see it. Church, I, I thought I was fooling people. I, was, I, I thought I was, I was fooling myself. No, I wanted, I wanted all for God, but deep in my heart, I had to check my pride. I had to check my own motives. And I had to admit, man, my motives are way off. And that's where Hannah was. Something changed in me that night at the beach. Those two days, God took me deep and he plunged me deep. And over the last two plus years, I'm telling you, church, that, that God has, has opened my eyes and given me such a self-awareness through the power of his spirit to see. And I'm not perfect and I'm getting better at it, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just, God, why do I want what I want? And I'm just able to search my own heart. And at every turn, I feel like I just keep laying down my pride and laying down insecurity and laying down ego and selfish ambition going, God, I just want you. I just want you. I just want you. What about us? Can we say that? That I want you more than I want it. So Eli looks at her and he's like, are you drunk in the house of the Lord? And she says, verse 15, not so, my Lord. 
I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. Look at this. I was pouring out my soul. She's finally willing to get honest. She gets honest about how she was lusting in her soul after this child with her soul. She says, I was willing to empty my soul to have a child. Hannah wanted to be known as a mom way more than she wanted to be known as Elkanah's wife. And that was me. I was way more caught up in wanting to be known as a great leader, a great speaker, a great author, a movement leader, a thought leader, a leadership coach than I was in being simply known as the son of my father. So here's Hannah. And she's finally come to this vulnerable place. And she says in verse 16, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. She finally sees her idolatry. She finally sees that she's 10 times more in love with the child than she is with God. And so finally her prayer turns to anguish and grief. Finally it wasn't about comparison or desire for a child. She's finally getting honest with God about her soul's condition and it ain't pretty. And that's where I found myself, church. I found myself aware of my wicked condition that I had loved the child of influence ten times more than I had loved God, the giver of the child. And that I had my eyes so fixed on the child that I wanted all for him too, remember? That I was neglecting the only one who could ever do anything about it. And during those two days, God gave me this visual picture of, of like, like, a, like, a, that like I had this huge bag of candy that like God had given me this huge bag of candy, which by the way, sugar's my love language. So like when God's going to speak, it does not surprise me at all that he's like, so picture candy. And I'm like, got it. Totally makes sense to me. And like I saw myself in this, this, this vision from the Lord of like, that, that God had given me this bag with like 3,000 pieces of candy in it. And our church was about 3,000 at the time. And, and that, that like I saw myself running into my room and I shut the door behind me and I locked the door and I sat down and I huddled in the corner and I was eating the candy. And all the while my father, Heavenly Father, is standing outside the door and he's knocking on the door saying, will you let me in, Matt? Will you let me in, Matt? Will you let me in, Matt? And I said, no, but can I have more candy? <laughs> Do you love the child? More than you love the father? Because God wants us to leave different than we came. I love what Eli says back to her. Eli answered, go in peace. And then look at this, he says, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. Watch, do you know what the word may is short for? Maybe. Eli the priest looks right at Hannah and he says, hey Hannah, there's no guarantees here. But here's the point. The point is, if you'll get this right, then no matter what happens over here, you'll be fine. Because it's not about the thing you want. 
It's about your heart. And if God's got all of your heart, then whether it happens or not, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. Our Father just wants our heart. And Hannah finally sees it clearly. And in verse 17, she said, May, there it is, your servant, look, find favor in your eyes. Do you remember where we started? That she was loved and highly favored. Double portion, remember? But a few verses ago, she couldn't see it. All she could see was what she didn't have. But now she can see what she has. That she was a highly loved, highly favored daughter of God. And that was enough. Church, God wants us to live in peace regardless of the outcome. And that's where I ended up. That's where I ended up. God began it on the beach and he took me on this incredible journey over the last couple of years where no matter what happens, with all the dreams and ideas and visions and desires of my heart, guess what? None of that matters because I know who I am. I am a son of my father and that is enough. So what about us? What about us? Can we bow our heads all across this room? I just believe that the Spirit of God is here, and I believe the Spirit of God is quickening and prompting our heart. I felt very led during worship of this service to say this. Listen, if you're feeling a stirring on the inside of you right now, guess what? That is not condemnation. We do not serve a God of condemnation. We serve a God of, 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 of conviction. And he will send his Holy Spirit to convict us, to show us, to, 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 to remove the scales so that we can see clearly what God wants us to see, the truth, the error of our ways. And I believe it's possible God's brought so many of us into this room today and he is illuminating the error of our ways and he wants you to respond. I believe this can be your Fort Myers Beach balcony moment. Where we finally lay down the pride, where we lay down the false motives, where we lay it all down and we say, God, I don't want it anymore. I want to love you 10 times more than I love it. Maybe you're here and you're not in relationship with Jesus. You don't know this God that we've been singing about and talking about. And I want you to know that you can, you can know him today. As a matter of fact, right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, listen, if you want to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, that's why Jesus came, because God was so full of love for you that he saw you and I, humanity, fallen, broken, sinful humanity in our fallen, broken state, and he said, I can't leave them like this. And so 2,000 years ago, he sent his son, Jesus, to come to this earth to live a perfect, sinless life. Imagine that and die on a cross, not for his own sin, but for payment for your and my sin. And it's a free gift. And all we have to do is open our heart. If you want to open your heart right now, you've never said yes to a relationship with Jesus. 
but you want to open your heart and say yes to a relationship with Jesus. We're not going to embarrass you or call you down front. That's not our style, but we want to give you an opportunity to express on the outside what you're feeling on the inside. If you want to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, would you throw your hand up right now? Come on. One, two, three, across this room. Put your hand up right now. Anybody? Anybody? Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else in the balcony, on the floor, anywhere? Come on. Anybody else? You say yes to a relationship. Matt, include me in. That's me. I want to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. Awesome. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you see these hands. Lord, so many hands that have been raised across this room of people who are, who are saying yes, who are acknowledging that we need a Savior. We need Jesus. And so, Lord, we just acknowledge that we're sinners saved by your grace. And we believe, Jesus, that what you did on the cross was payment for our sin. And we invite you to come into our life, Lord. Forgive us of our sin. God, wash us clean. Make us a new creation in you. Lord, thank you that your word says that when we receive you, we become sons and daughters of God. Yes, that is who we are. And so, Lord, right now that's happening across this room. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let me stay in this atmosphere of prayer before the worship team comes back. Because I believe it's possible that while I've been speaking, the Lord has been convicting some of you. And today needs to be your Fort Myers Beach balcony moment. That you've been guilty of loving the thing. Loving the promotion, loving the position, loving the child, loving the person, the man, the woman, the thing, the whatever it is that you've been begging God for. That you've been guilty of that and today you need to repent. What does it mean to repent? It means we literally do a 180. So the direction we're heading in, we spin around and we go in the opposite direction. We need to come to the Lord like I had to do on that balcony two years ago and say, God, forgive me. God, my motives have been jacked up. My heart has been messed up. I have wanted these things for the wrong reasons and I just want you. I want to fall 10 times more in love with you than anything you could ever possibly do for me. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand high right now across this room. Come on, come on. Faith is high in this room. You need to repent to the Lord right now. You need to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I've lusted after that position. God, I'm sorry I've lusted after that person. God, I'm sorry I've lusted after that promotion. God, I'm sorry that I'm more in love with that thing than I am with you. Come on, lift your hand right now in Jesus' name. And Father, we lift our hands and we just say, God, we're sorry. Lord, we repent. God, we turn. We just want you. We just, I just want you. And nothing else. Nothing else, God, nothing else will do. I just want you, Lord, we just want you. Maybe just right now, see to where you are, just begin to tell him, God, say, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. Father, forgive me. God, wash me clean. God, forgive me, Lord Jesus, for the idolatry. God, forgive me for seeking after some thing that you can give me, some bag of candy, some, some promotion, some accolade, some title, some, some paycheck. When all you want is my heart. All you want is our hearts, oh God. All you want is our hearts, Lord. All you want is our hearts. All you want is our hearts, Lord Jesus. We just acknowledge you and say, God, move, God, move, God, move. Let's don't miss this. The Holy Spirit's here. The Holy Spirit's here. He's moving in this moment. We respond to the Lord. Yes. All hail. 
Lord, we give way to you. We give way to you. We give way to you. We sing all hail. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart right now, church. Let the Holy Spirit touch your heart. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. God, we respond. We respond to you. You need to respond to the Lord. Repent. He's here. He's here. He heals you. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to bring healing in Jesus' name. God, let your love flow, Lord. Not condemnation, but conviction. Conviction of the Lord right now. He's moving. He's moving. He's healing you. He's healing you in Jesus' name. Maybe you just need to lift your hands right where you're seated. Come on. Just lift your hands across this room. If you have an expectation that God wants to do something in you right now, come on. He's not done working. He's not done working. Oh, we give way, we give way. Not our own desires, God. Not our flesh and blood desires. We want what your spirit wants. We want you. We want you. We only want you, God. Just respond to the Lord. Don't miss this moment. He's here. We don't have to leave the way we came. We sing all hail. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your love. Thank you, God, for bringing us to this place that we can be changed by your love, changed by your spirit, God. Change us, Lord. We don't want to be the same. Lord, we will be different. Something changed chains on the inside never gonna be the same change our motivations God change our fixations God our fascinations God where we've been fixated on stuff and things and that God let us be fixated only on you Fix our hearts on you, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for watching and being a part of our online family. Subscribe to our channel for access to all of our videos and live services. You can also be notified when a new service becomes available if you ring the notification bell. We cannot do this without you. You can support this ministry and help us reach more people with the word by giving at reslife.org give. Thanks again for watching. Be blessed.